Here we are in the post-apocalyptic dystopian society known as COVID-19 global community. Mm-hmm. We hope everybody's okay, healthy. I know the count of infected continues to rise, so that's not terrific. Waiting for that Damn plateau it. and start descending sooner rather than later would be nice. That'd be nice. Yes, it would. So we're going to kick off today's episode, folks, titled The Grateful Dead in reference to a beloved past singer of a band named David, not named David. Jerry Garcia. Yes, Jerry Garcia. Now, I was never a huge fan of The Grateful Dead. I liked a couple of their songs. They made a big splash, obviously, from a historical point of view. Well, yeah, their followers were called the Deadheads. Yeah, that's and right. And they would go follow them around the country and go to all their shows. They had this massive bunch of groupies is what they were. And sure, that happens with other bands, but nothing like with the Grateful Dead. It was pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. There's a pun, of course, as always, with our titles. So the Grateful Dead referencing people who have passed, who are now grateful to the LDS Church because of something that they do. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh but first of all, I hooked up with Rusty Nell again, Dave, and, and I said, hey, Russ, do you mind giving us a live recording in the studio of what you recently gave online to the members about COVID-19? And what would you like the members uh -huh. to do? What would you like Dave and I to do? Mm. And, well, this is what he said. Uh, he's got about a minute and a half advice here, Dave. Here we go. Okay. As a physician and surgeon. Uh-oh. Okay, hold on a second. When did he retire from being a physician and a surgeon? Um, I would say 50 years ago. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. I don't 40 know. at least. Yeah, it, something like that. Anyway, so he's in touch with the latest medicine. Okay, anyway. Yeah. I have great admiration for medical professionals, scientists, and all who are working around the clock to curb the spread of COVID-19. I am also a man of faith, and I know that during these challenging times, we can be strengthened and lifted as we call upon God and His Son, Jesus Christ, the Master Healer. Okay. First of all, you have to love how he and many other general authorities say God. It's not just God, it's God. God. Yeah, it's... I especially it's, enjoyed old Elder McConkie and yeah. his, the, you know, I mean, he's obviously tweaking his voice for effect <laughs> here. Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. It's a, to dramatize it. And mm -hmm. uh, he, he made a boo-boo, though. He said, calling upon God and his son. We don't pray to Jesus. No, no, no. Uh-oh. Yeah. Whoops. Darn it. That's always a, va a vagity, right, in the church, because yes. you pray to God in the name of Jesus, so you're really praying to Jesus, and he's relaying it to God the Father. Anyway, let's not get off on that little rabbit trail, but... Let's let him finish. He talked about God and Jesus being the master healer who's refraining from using his healing power right now, but that's just because it's a test. Anyway, let's get back to it. It's, yeah. 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 Test. I invite you to join with me in a worldwide fast. 
for all whose health permits, to pray for relief from the physical, emotional, and economic effects of this global pandemic. Hmm. Especially economic. I mean, no, wait, no, that's not. Oh, I'm sorry. What? That's not the chief. I'm no, I'm, I messed up. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a concern at all. The fact that people aren't going to church, probably paying a little less tithing. Well, Maybe yeah. they lost their jobs. This could be smart, well, there right? There's no tithing. Yeah, it could be smart because I mean, if everybody stops eating for a little while, he doesn't specify. Oh, he does specify in a, in a moment here when he wants okay. the fast to happen, which is today, Dave. But I'm taking a little thunder Uh-oh. out of his backside. I already had two shots of whiskey and a beer. Damn it. <laughs> wants us to fast today. Bec- but if we did, we would save that much money from eating, I guess. So it could be a slight economic. Anyway, let's get back to it. I invite members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints everywhere, along with our many friends, to fast and pray this Sunday, March 29th. Okay. He, he wants everybody to do it, not just the Mormons. But, yeah, anyway. Let us oh, unite our What about his buddy, ple- uh, the Pope? Well, that's what he just said. Let us unite our faith. Our our friend. So didn't he call him the Holy Father I when he was visiting? I think he, I, he may have. I forgot about that. There was something weird. Something like that. Yeah. So I'm sure the Pope is gathering his people. Most religions are making a plea for us to redirect our energy and thoughts towards whatever deity we choose to believe in. And yet, he seems to be on vacation. Yeah. Um, look, we've talked about the schedule before, including the trains and how fucked up they oh. sometimes get. When Jesus means to make a trip, he, he ends up missing it, etc. This is no different. I mean, it's not the train this time. God and Jesus both, they've got this golf thing going on where they've been competing. It's kind of a friendly competition, you know, kind of thing. Well, this had been planned for millennia, and this is their tournament. This is their tournament time period. So they're out. We can't cancel that. No. Are you kidding me? We can cancel the Olympics. We can cancel school, concerts. Not not that. No, Golf all the angels. The, oh, look, no. there's billions of angels who bought tickets, made reservations. You're not going to cancel that shit. So let's okay. talk about... Uh, here, let's see what else he has to say. Faith to plead for physical, spiritual, and other healing throughout the entire world. The Lord understands the feelings you are experiencing. He loves and cares for you. As I do, too. Oh. <laughs> Awkward little pause there at the end. <laughs> yeah, I do. But I, I do? I mean, yeah, I do. As, as, as I do, too. <laughs> Oops. You know, if it was me, I would, and I was the guy helping him record that, I would have done something maybe like... Scene one, Apple, take two. Yeah. yeah. You know? Just saying, I probably would have... Can you say that last bit again? Actually, let's just go through the whole thing again from the top. <laughs> it makes you wonder how now many times the they did it. Rusty is talking directly with God. 
And so he should at least be able to get a clue from him how long this test is going to last when we will have shown sufficient humility and faith to relieve us from this current little test. But no. Yeah. I guess not. Yeah, I guess I guess not. Um, All right. Yeah. And like I said, when you've got a golf tournament that you have scheduled for eons, um, yeah, it's not. Sorry, guys. That's not going to be disregarded for something like this. But yeah, what an awkward position to be in. This is not the point of our podcast today, but what an awkward position to be in as the guy who says you talk with God literally on a some kind of a regular basis. He wants me to let you know that he understands your feelings. Oh. <laughs> okay. Th- thanks. I I could, could maybe uh, could I maybe heal my feel forsaken. Son. I feel yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe heal okay. my son, please, or you know, can yeah. Anyway, how many priesthood blessings are taking place right now where people have COVID nineteen? They're exhibiting the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, are they allowed to lay their hands on the person? That's an interesting concept. Um, mm. And then, uh, if they do, maybe they wear gloves and they put their hands on them. That's an interesting little sidebar, I guess. But then are they blessing but these the people gloves to be healed? Or blessed before they put them on. <laughs> and and right. they, bless, they bless like a 10,000 pack at a time <laughs> for, for efficiency. Consecrated so latex they're gloves. Now holy gloves, but not, yeah. not holes. No, wait. Yeah, consecrated gloves. <laughs> yes. Set That's apart awesome. That's for awesome. this great and mighty work. Yes. Well, folks, that's LDS Church in the News. Other than the fact that I am going to bring up another news bit that we referenced a couple weeks in a row recently because it relates to our episode today, but that'll come later. So, Dave, I'm I'm aching for a little bit of uh, for your information. All righty. We left off with Diego Golden Kimball last week. We're going to pick it up with another discussion about this Adam-God theory. Can you believe Brigham's been gone for some time now? Yeah. And it's coming up again. December 16th, 1897, First Presidency and Apostles agree that, quote, Adam is our father and God, and there's no use to discuss it with our, our LDS brethren or the Josephites or anyone else. <laughs> what? Why would you be discussing to get a consensus from them? Is that what I'm reading there? I don't We get need it. to know how you guys feel about it, even though you're apostate <laughs> from the true church. I, I, yeah. And the Josephites? Okay. I don't get it. So again, we, we don't know something as basic as who the hell God is. Hmm. Hey, we're going to start a new year, 1898. Apostle Anthon H. Lund sets apart First Council of Seventy member Joseph W. McMurrin, but mistakenly does not ordain him to the office of President of Seventy. First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve agree that this was an error, but decide not to re-perform it. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> what the yeah, we screwed up. That's okay. What the hell? Now, okay. <laughs> another doctrine that just doesn't seem to go away. Yeah, it will continue to be uh, discussed and disagreed on in the future. January 22nd, George Q. Cannon teaches, there are different degrees of glory. Some attain to a more exalted glory. They must help those who are lower to rise up to their plane. Then there is another degree below them, and they must labor to lift those who are lower than they, progressing from one degree of glory to another without end, because there is no end to eternity. Um, so this goes hand in hand with the disagreement about whether God is still progressing himself. I mean, Adam. <laughs> Get it I right. Think, I, Adam. Is Adam still, is progressing, Adam still progressing? And does he still have a penchant for apples? Does he still have a pension? I hope so. Penchant. Oh, pension. A paycheck? <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, so, okay. so according to that, you, you could be like, you could go to the celestial kingdom, eventually work your way up to the celestial kingdom. April 14th, first presidency and apostles consider alleged belief of some elders in the doctrine of reincarnation. They consider it. Um, okay. You know, a lot of these elders in the church are talking about reincarnation. Guys, come on, get the 12 in here. What do you think? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. They're all over the place. All over with they don't know what they believe. It's crazy. April wow. 21st, George Q. Cannon has said that through missionary service of the unmarried young women, some kind of solution would be found to the problem so often discussed. What shall we do with our girls? <laughs> Let's get rid of them. Send them on a mission. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> now, as a current active Mormon, I would annually meet with my bishop and have a temple recommend interview, and I would be asked if I adhere to the word of wisdom, and if I said I did not, I would not be able to obtain a temple recommend. That's right. Or have it renewed. Yeah. May 5th, President Wilford Woodruff decides against Withholding Temple Recommends for Non-Compliance with Word of Wisdom. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I would have to guess the high number of people who were not living it. I guess so. And so he thought, yeah, well, like, it's just too difficult. We'll just it. let them ride. Yeah, temple's going to be empty. Yeah. All right. And be because of his declaration, September 2nd, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> of alcohol poisoning, church, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First church president to die outside of Utah. Oh, uh, okay. And notice this now, they're getting better. Only eight days later, October 10th, uh -huh. 1898, Lorenzo Snow is set apart, but not ordained as church president. <laughs> You're got to be kidding me. <laughs> He's not even, he's just set apart. So they're, okay, well, <laughs> they're getting most of it, right? Eventually they'll get. Yeah, getting, <laughs> yeah. give me that handbook, damn it. What, how do you do this? Oh, shit, we missed the ordination again. Well, that'd look awkward if we tried to do that now. Let's just, <laughs> shh, shh. Now, on that same day, 
Rudger Clausen is ordained an apostle, the first convicted felon to become a member of the Twelve. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Does it say what he was convicted of? No. No. no? no. Uh, we could look Just it up. Probably. Convicted. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. And then one more about plural marriage. I'm not even going to read it. I'm so sick uh. of bringing it up. They're still performing them, and then. Nine days later, December 29th, Lorenzo Snow issues a statement that polygamy has ceased in Utah. <laughs> uh, what? I, what? <laughs> and now, one more example. This is this fucking crazy. Uh, January 13th, 1899. Mm. This is another example of we don't know what we believe. We, there's no agreement. Mm. First presidency decides that James E. Talmadge's Articles of Faith, a well-known text in the Mormon Church, will be published by the church due to the review of its contents by the First Presidency and Committee, which included three apostles. The discussion in the book of the Celestial, Terrestrial, and Telestial Kingdom states that advancement from grade to grade within any kingdom and from kingdom to kingdom will be provided for. Now, notice this, okay? The 11th edition deletes the later phrase in 1919, and the 12th edition in 1924 says, as to possible progression from one kingdom to another, the scriptures make no positive affirmation. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> because it's not taught at all in the scriptures. That's oh. why there's no positive affirmation. There's a, a <laughs> quick reference from Paul to two different kingdoms, and he's simply talking about the carnate and the discarnate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Craziness. Oh. January 25th, at a temple meeting with the First Presidency, Apostle Francis Lyman praises local patriarch who administers to the sick without receiving very much for his services. Oh, oh what the... You, so he was paid, but he didn't ask that you, for that much. What you, a saint. Like a doctor on call okay. or something? You paid him to yes. give you blessings? Paid him. Oh, my For a God. patriarchal blessing. That's right. You mentioned it. Yeah, you mentioned that yeah. last, last week, right? Mentioned they, it before. They were paid. Oh, my okay. God. I got two more just because they're kind Come of on. fun, especially the last one. Lorenzo Snow presides at the Salt Lake Temple monthly fast meeting. He says, Sister Maria... Dugal bore her testimony and wound up speaking in tongues, which struck me as the finest expression of that gift to which I've ever listened. You've got to be <laughs> kidding me. Wow. In the temple. In the temple, she, she just burst out speaking in tongues. Okay. Now, we've spoken several times about the similarity between the temple ordinance and Freemasonry. Uh-huh. Almost identical. Yeah. But... Franklin D. Richards is going to clear up the matter oh, for good. us. On yeah. April 4th, 1899, Franklin D. Richards tells quarterly meeting of apostles that God revealed to the prophet, meaning Joseph, the true masonry that we have in our temples. <laughs> so he calls it masonry, but it's the true masonry. It's the true masonry. Don't give me that shit that he made it up. This is the true masonry. Oh, my God. And then how many people have you heard that say it's not masonry? It's not. It's totally different. Yeah. It's, All the apologists 
Oh my God. Uh, and of course, the claim is that it goes back to Adam. Well, and, and then and then wait, the, that's the God. Whole, okay, God. It goes back to God. <laughs> All righty. So, guys, there is a doctrine that's very, very core to Church of Jesus Christ Rattlesnakes, called. Well, is it called something? The work for the dead, I guess. Right. Redemption of the Redemption dead. Redemption yeah. of the dead. Yeah, it's part of the threefold mission of the church: perfect the saints, um, preach the gospel, and redeem, redeem the dead. Right. Redeem the dead. Redeem yeah. the dead. What the fuck does that mean? Redeeming the dead. In the gospel, you got to be baptized. In in the Mormon gospel, you got to be baptized to be saved. Yep. Simple doctrine. But what if you were born before baptisms were available? Piece of cake. We'll just do it vicariously. There it is. Yeah. There you go. That's part of it, right? Nice. Uh, baptism That's being why we're the... so grateful. Me uh, and Jerry Garcia. Yes. Very grateful. But very grateful. There's a lot of dead people who are grateful for the Mormons. Yeah, so baptism is the gateway, right? And then after baptism, you can get the whole spiel. I mean, you get you get the gift of the Holy Ghost for the dead. You get the temple ordinances for the dead uh, uh, yep. that are performed you know, in the or... temple. Um, right. Every ordinance, yeah. every ordinance that is performed on a living person is is then performed vicariously in the temple, including the final, which is the sealing of husbands and wives, yep. and then the one we referred to a couple of weeks ago. Washington. Possibly, I don't think it's even happening anymore. Second anointings, right? It used to, but then I, yeah, I don't think they do them for the dead anymore. I think you're right. A little superfluous if the dead person's already seen Jesus. That's kind of a misunderstanding as well. The Book of Mormon is pretty clear. Remember where Alma in the Book of Mormon, I think it was Alma, describes exactly what happens when you die. And he says the first place that everyone goes, everyone, good, bad, whatever, indifferent, they go see Mm -hmm. Daddy. They go right to Dad. And then after they say, hey, Dad, checking in, then they go to a waiting room that the church would call now either spirit prison, if you were naughty, or paradise, where you kind of hang out with, and it's a good place. And then you stay there till the day of judgment, and then you go off to the kingdom that you earned or belong to, whatever. So during that waiting period is when all this vicarious work is happening, supposedly. Right. And however, people disagree with Alma's first bit where you go see daddy immediately, because if you did, now you've had the second comforter. So why did you perform the second comforter? Anyway, it's all, it's just, you guys know from the For Your Information segment, how convoluted and disjointed and fucked up. The doctrine yeah. was among the apostles themselves. They couldn't agree. Well, think about this. The church, from my last reading, was 1899, mm-hmm. the one I just read. The church was formed in 1830. So how many years, 69 years, have passed, and they still, still can't get it right. don't know what they believe about some very key doctrines. Very core it's doctrines. We're not ridiculous. talking about, like, should you pay... 10 or 10 and a half percent tithing, or should you go to this or that on Sunday? We're talking core doctrines like the Godhead and salvation yeah. and moving from one kingdom to the next after you die, all sorts of shit. 
Anyway, guys, so big teaching in the church, huge, huge effort. Well, where did this start? Where did this belief in redeeming the dead start? It's very unique. That's kind of redundant, isn't it? It's unique. (laughs) I guess you could be unique or very unique, but there's probably a better (laughs) word than unique if you're going to throw very in front of it. It's really a dark black. Uh, um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna yes. go ahead and do the the history bit real quick. Yes, tell us where this Joseph came from. Joseph is giving a a funeral sermon mm-hmm. for a man named Seymour Brunson. It's August fifteenth, eighteen forty. Okay, and in that sermon, he discusses baptism for the dead, and then two months later, approximately at the uh, general conference, it's taught publicly. And then baptisms start being performed. Believed that Alvin, Joseph's brother, was perhaps one of the first. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find the information on that. I know he would have been right up there on the list. Sure. His own family, yeah. because of his great love for all of humanity, he'd make sure his own family got what they needed first, of course. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, so, but what he was referring to is a letter so when we read these, the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, this is Mel. This is Paul writing letters to members of the church in those areas. And in Corinthians 15 is where the idea comes from. But we're going to be educated about that. Okay. Yes, we will. Read that Corinthians bit first, though. Do you have that, Dave? It's what good. shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Yeah. Why are they then baptized for the dead? Yes. Corinthians 15, 17 mm-hmm. to 19, I believe it is. Uh-huh. And it's a chapter, the entire chapter is on resurrection, and that's the subject matter of the chapter. And so we'll, we'll let a, a member of a Christian faith educate us. We will. This is a little tidbit from... I guess we should do a shout-out, although I won't because I can't see his name here. So, you guys, uh, if you really are interested, be one of the first listeners to actually contact us. <laughs> Send an email to mike at mormontalk.org, and I'll reply. I promise I will. So, here's what this little—what this little—it doesn't look like a little guy— Here's what this here's a little tidbit of what this guy says about Corinthians. Okay, here we go. The Christians in Corinth were not practicing this baptism for the dead. Look at how Paul speaks to the Corinthians throughout chapter 15. He says, Our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We are found misrepresenting God. We of all people are the most to be pitied. Why are we in danger? But look at what it says in verse 29. If the dead are not raised at all, what do people mean by being baptized for the dead? If the dead aren't ever raised from the dead, why are people baptized on their behalf? Paul is not saying that we, Christians who believe in the resurrection, practice baptism for the dead, but that people, those who deny the resurrection, actually practice it. The people practicing baptism for the dead were not Christians, but those who deny a resurrection. So there you go. There it is. Yeah, uh, and it's an often misinterpreted verse in the Bible. I mean, whether or not it even happened, I, that's we'll put that aside for a second, because 
that gets down to whether you believe in the Bible or not. But if you do, as the Mormon Church claims, they kind of misinterpret that. It's one verse, right? There's one. There, there's a, a select verse in the in the Bible that mentions this concept of baptism for the dead, which were a people. If again, this all existed, right? That in that area, who were baptizing each other for the dead, but they they didn't believe in Christianity. They didn't believe in in the resurrection, and so was it Paul, right? That is talking mm-hmm. to them, and and he says, "Why are you guys baptizing each other for the dead if you don't believe that you'll be resurrected?" Like, why do you need... Be- and I guess you could imagine it, right? Even if you stayed a spirit. Yeah. Like, even if these people say, oh, you die, you stay a spirit, you still need to be cleansed through baptism. Okay, Jesus introduced baptism anyway, so I'm not sure why they would do that without believing in being Christians. But anyway, weird shit. Point is, that's a verse that the Church uses. They also use a verse in Malachi to support this concept of mm, work for the dead, I guess. It's it's a stretch. <laughs> but let me read you a little tidbit here. This is from uh, an article from the Church News back in 1993 titled, Malachi and Moroni Said Elijah Would Come. So it's all about Elijah. And Joseph Smith hooked on to this hardcore. So little tidbits here from this article. Among the biblical prophecies quoted by the angel Moroni during his visit to young Joseph Smith on September 21 and 22 of 1823 was Malachi 4, 5 through 6. So this is another segment. The angel, however, quoted the verses differently from the King James Version. Imagine that. Whoops. Okay. The difference is still use King James English though. Make sure that's right, right. including the errors. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not reformed Egyptian. Right. That's right. Whatever. Uh, uh, However, Whatever. that would sound. The, <laughs> the differences are significant, particularly in the context of the dawning of the current gospel dispensation. What a way to phrase that. The phrasing used by Moroni more clearly pertains to the sealing ordinances in Latter-day temples that link generations of, of families together by priesthood authority. Moroni's rendering of the verses from Malachi is important enough to warrant placement in the Doctrine and Covenants as section 2. Quote, Behold, I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers, and the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers. If it were not so, the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming. Unquote. What the fuck was Malachi talking about? Utterly wasted. So utterly wasted. That's and we have a some ideas perfect here. all-knowing God who oh, creates yeah. something like that. Where I'm going to just fucking booby trap this system <laughs> in several ways. First of all, I love you so much. I'm going to test you, and if you fail, you're going to burn forever. <laughs> I love you, little fuckers. You better get it right. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So here's some tidbits. This will solidify kind of, we won't spend a lot longer on this, but it's a big deal for the church. This will solidify some of the doctrinal background. Elder Packer, back in the day, lovely old Packer, homophobe, quote, (laughs) 
<laughs> Elijah would return. Why? If that turning of the hearts of the father to the children and the children of the fathers was not accomplished, the Lord would smite the earth with a curse, as the King James Version of the Old Testament says, or the whole earth would be utterly wasted at his coming, as Moroni quoted to the prophet Joseph Smith. President Joseph Fielding Smith wrote, quote, Why would the earth be wasted? Simply because if there is not a welding link between the fathers and the children, which is work for the dead, so he's specific here, then we all stand rejected. The whole work of God will fail and be utterly wasted. Such a condition, of course, shall not be. So we instituted the work for the dead. It happened. This signal event, Elijah's coming, went unheeded by the world, uh, maybe because it didn't happen, but it would influence the destiny of every soul who has ever lived or ever will live. Things began quietly to happen. The church became a temple-building church. In the world, there emerged here and there in a way thought to be spontaneous people and organizations and societies interested in tracing genealogies. This has all taken place since the appearance of Elijah in the Kirtland Temple. So, yes, he talks about the influence of people. Have you ever been interested in genealogy, interested in your ancestors? Well, that's the Holy Ghost influencing you. The Spirit of Elijah has descended upon you and wants you know, want you to figure out who your great-great-grandfather is. So once this doctrine was taught by Joseph, mm-hmm. we have an introduction of it in the D&C. Section 124 is a very long section, and he references here, he's having a discussion with Adam, I mean God, and um, he's saying, For verily I say unto you that after you have had sufficient time to build a house to me, wherein the ordinance of baptizing for the dead belongeth, and for which the same was instituted from before the foundation of the world, your baptisms for the dead cannot be acceptable unto me. So they were just doing it in rivers, mm-hmm. bodies of water. Sure. So really that section is about the building of temples to provide the place for which that ordinance, and all the other ones are, all the other Masonic rituals and Israeli is, or Israelite-based shit. True Stuff masonry. from Solomon's temple. True masonry, David. You know. Yes, true masonry. Yeah, true masonry. <laughs> <laughs> it's performed. Yes. Right. Uh, so that's where it started, folks. And now you have, I don't know how, we could easily look this up, how many temples have been built now. Over 200, right? Well, you know what? Rather than guess, how many LDS temples and are let me, there? While you're looking it up, I'll talk about when you go into the temple and the youth are actually allowed to, if they pass, again, a temple recommend interview, they are allowed to be the bodies that are used for this vicarious ordinance. Adults do it as well, but mm. this is the the children's introduction to the, temple. the cult-like behavior that goes on in Mormonism, right. including entering a font of water the size of a a really nice jacuzzi, yeah, basically, like a hot tub. Yep. and it rests on the back of 12 oxen, mm. which represent the 12 tribes of Israel. So you're being reminded in a very powerful physical way about the significance of Israel in your life for some reason when you're <laughs> performing this ordinance. Patterned yeah. after what was called the laver in Solomon's temple, which was nothing more than a basin of water 
that the priests use to cleanse themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, That's what they, it was. They weren't doing baptisms for the dead. Uh, yeah, it is no. very. You can see these pictures online actually of the twelve. They look like gold sometimes. Who knows? Maybe they are gold plated in some temples. They're brass, whatever oxen um, holding up this font that you walk down. It's pretty impressive looking, actually, to mm-hmm. be honest. But it's very, to Dave's point, Israel nation fascination, right? That we talked about the 12 tribes. You're gathering Israel, you're gathering the dead tribes of Israel as well, not just the living. Yep. And it's all about Israel. These temples, folks, so I was overstating, David, there's like 162 now, I guess, worldwide. Uh, It says the temple in the Tooele Valley will be temple number 21 in Utah. Lots of temples in Utah. Yep. So I think they announced one in Saratoga Springs, Utah. So that's going to be coming. So lots of temples. These temples, folks, actually, somebody made a good point in an I think in a former Mormon forum, ex-Mormon forum, where they said you can look up, because temple grounds and the projects have to be filed with the state, so they're public knowledge. And I didn't test this, but it makes sense. So you should be able to look it up and see the allotment for the construction to tell you how much these cost. Now, I again, I haven't tested that. Somebody says they did. They tried it in their county. This is in a different state. And they're like, yeah, it worked. I went into county records, whatever. There it was. This temple cost about $20 million. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe that is. Yeah. I haven't looked it up. Suffice it to say, these temples are very expensive. They're in that, you know, whatever, 20 to $30 million range depending on where they sit, right? So the one they built in New York is probably closer to 60 or 80 million because of the location. These are expensive buildings. And if there's 162 of them, do the math, right? Shy of one and a half, two billion dollars of... Yeah. Oh my God. Piece of cake. We got it covered. We got 400 billion in reserves. No yeah, problem. Yeah, right. It's it's ridiculous but, but amounts again, of the money. attitude of... Uh, essentially you know taking over the planet even to the point of wait what about all the people that died and so the teaching is that look how much god really loves his children how merciful he is why didn't he get his shit together so that nobody was ever denied baptism from day one yeah what what, whoops yeah Yeah. So now we got to do it all retroactively. And so hence all of these records of dead people, genealogical research, which in a cult is just another way to keep you busy doing yet one more thing with your time Mm. instead of stopping to think about what it is you're doing. Yeah. And does it make any sense? So, yeah, the, the, do you want to talk about the Granite Vault? Yeah, for a I do. That's a good segue into the Granite Mountain Records Vault that some of you may or may not have heard of. So, the world's largest collection of genealogical records is housed in a secure vault located in the mountains near Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, when I, I actually had the opportunity to sit with the 12, Dave. I know this is crazy shit. I've got a, I've got a direct line to Rusty. The 12 will meet with me sometimes. Maybe it's just because they're worried that we're supporting anti-LDS well, stuff. They want to try to persuade look, me 
I don't they're know. available. They're transparent. They are. And they, um, yes. Yeah, this is weird, Nothing though. Nothing to hide here. This is weird. I'm going to play a snippet. I always record my conversations with the 12 for, I don't know, personal security reasons, uh, blackmail reasons, whatever. So I'm sitting with the 12 this last time. I asked him about, what, what about this Granite Mountain Records vault? What possessed the church to build this thing? Right into the side of a fucking mountain up here in the canyon. It's it's it, one mile up Little Cottonwood Canyon. Yeah, yeah. Not that uh, that matters. But well, and you guys can look it up online. There's interesting video or two about it as well. Well, I asked them, and Dave awkwardly they broke into song. It's huh. I know I know it's weird, but they broke into song. This is what it sounded like. very moving actually what about Gregorian the... chanting no check it out the granite mountain here we go far over the misty mountains cold that was Jeffrey Holland by the way to dungeons <laughs> deep and caverns old we taken aback by that of course and when i asked them what the fuck and they said oh sorry when you said granite mountain we thought lonely mountain as in the hobbit and so they broke into the dwarf song uh ah. they're big they're big lord of the rings fans yeah the 12 of course so a little awkward but interesting i'm glad i got it on tape so yeah holland has a great baritone i was no i had no clue that well, it's going to end up being a, a chart topper for sure. For sure. Yeah, they might use it in a movie sometime. Um, so look, Granite Mountain Records Vault, uh, it holds three and a half billion images on microfilm, microfiche, and digital media. If you guys have never heard of microfilm or microfiche, I don't blame you. <laughs> That's old school old. records keeping on film, like slide film. Like It almost looks like movie film like a camera film right mm -hmm. and yep. you could s store these kind of high resolution documents and i think how they normally did it people took pictures on old cameras right of these documents on yes. film and so yep. they were film cameras and they took pictures of these handwritten so you're talking like immigration records birth records going way back biggest thing in the world this is a huge industry that the church has created so familysearch.org 
I know they have connections mm-hmm. into Ancestry. I don't know if they own Ancestry. So think about all the implications here, of which we can't even talk about all of them. The billions and billions of dollars of industry that have been created, there's many, many, many people, for example, running their DNA through these organizations. And then with your DNA results, you can connect to ancestors across the world. They'll show you this is where you came from, as far as we can tell, right? These are your origin countries, according to your DNA markers. Of course, if you're Native American, you might have an, uh, an issue because where they probably should show you DNA markers stemming back to Eastern Asia, they might show you Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh-oh. Yeah, the whole DNA fiasco. Um, guys, huge facility underground. Nobody's allowed in, Mormon or non-Mormon. If you try to go there, there's actually a video, Dave. I think you saw this too, the same one I did. A guy tries to go check it out. Hey, what do you guys got going on here? Yeah, you're you're ushered away. It's like a freaking Fort Knox. Um, it's like Area 51. Come yeah. to think of it. Yeah, that's a better a better analogy. Yeah, who knows how much this facility costs to dig and create? I think it could withstand a nuclear blast. In fact, that was one it of the reasons. Built yeah. It was built to withstand a nuclear blast. The same granite that they cut through to build this thing is, is what they made the Salt Lake Temple out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they drug all that granite down little cottonwood cannon in wagons. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I think, sorry about that. When I think about it, outburst. yeah, it does. Well, yeah. It kind of makes me, it kind of makes me weepy. Um, so, <laughs> So, guys, <laughs> multi-billion dollar industry, all for redeeming the dead. So, Dave, here's the clincher that I wanted to end on, I guess, for this episode. We talked about Paul's letter to the Corinthians that they rest on as part of the doctrine. Hey, see, look, people were being baptized for the dead. Well, it wasn't even Christians, Dick. Anyway, <laughs> um, but then and then the Malachi verse, they stretch. I don't even know what Malachi was talking about hearts of the children of his father. It certainly wasn't work for the dead. Uh, There's no other verses in the entire biblical doctrinal stuff, including what Jesus himself taught, that has anything to do with work for the dead. So you would think, hey, score, right? The church has the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, according, according to Joseph Smith, David, let's not forget, is the what kind of book? Most. Most correct, correct book, book. Containing the fullness of the gospel. Did you say fullness? Fullness. Well, let's look up fullness. What does fullness mean? Dictionary.com. Fullness. Fullness. I know some people who are full of it, but I, I don't think that's what... <clears throat> fullness means completely filled, containing all that can be held, filled to utmost capacity, complete, entire, maximum, exact. Okay, so everything, basically, of a certain thing. So he said it has the fullness of the gospel. It has every doctrine, every gospel facet in it. 
Well, SCORE, right? Because you've got this book. It's unique to your church. So is Work for the Dead unique to your church. So the Book of Mormon probably has a lot of references to Work for the Dead, right? And temple work. It should. What do you mean? Every major prophet in the book should have spoke about it. Well, what do you mean should? It does. It doesn't. What? Nothing. Um, Zero. Not even what is it supposedly in the Bible. Yeah. Whoop. <laughs> it's forked. I love it. What? Uh-oh. Isn't that an uh-oh? Oh. Well, what else can we say? <sighs> Slippage. 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 Whoopsie. <laughs> I don't know what else we can say. No, you know, come on, man. I mean, again, with this whole thing that it, it's part of our po- podcast every week, the church is making it up as they go. Yeah. And so it has to be retrofitted. Yeah. And then you have 100,000 apologists who just make it disappear, they make excuses, whatever the hell they do, that somehow seems to pacify the majority of the members who really don't give a damn for the most part anyway. Yeah, that's true. And when you think about it, there's logical fallacies. We've brought up a few of these that are recognized even just in debate or other topics, right? And one logical kind of psychological fallacy is what they call the sunk cost fallacy. We've talked about this before. You can look up a list of fallacies online, whatever. It's fascinating, actually, uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Talk about sunk cost. I mean, sunk cost is usually mentioned from a mental perspective, at least how I've seen it used. Hey, I put so much effort into this, so much emotion, right? So much of my life. It's got to be true. If it's not, I can't even think about that, right? It's too... Nope, too, can't too, go there. Too costly. Can't even entertain it. Well, now we've got an example of not only the mental side, but holy shit, I mean... How many billions of dollars have been thrown into temple building, genealogy efforts, you know, building the granite mountain thing where the dwarves can hang out and running all these businesses for family ancestry, etc. That is huge cost, man. Talk about sunk cost. What if the temples are all bullshit? Uh-oh, that's a huge sunk cost. You can't go there. <laughs> No way in hell are you going to back away from that, right? Even if the apostles disagreed suddenly about temple work today, you guess what, guys? You own that shit. I mean, what could you turn a temple into? I guess a really nice conference center or a hotel, maybe? <laughs> I, maybe. A funky-looking one, yeah. but you, You'd have a nice tub to bathe in. <laughs> a communal tub. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. Hey, now I know why the brethren don't want to get rid of the temples. Yeah, we all have memories from the temples. Yeah, we do. As you get older and you go to the temple, I was one of those who longed for a significant spiritual experience yeah. in the temple. Yeah. And I became a veil worker for two and a half years and and I went and I went and I went one time on my mission when I was coming home I got to go inside the Washington DC temple 
which at that time in church history was about the most ornate building that they'd ever built. Yeah, that's right. And we went through, and I ended up in a room by myself for about a half a minute, and I'm praying, and there's a huge chandelier, and I'm thinking, now's the chance for me to have some visitation yeah, or something spiritual, some vision or yeah. some experience. And so I, I look up and the chandelier is moving. <gasps> and I thought, oh my God, this is it. So I look over across from the chandelier and there's a vent and somebody <laughs> had turned on the AC. <laughs> Damn it. Oh God, that's funny. It uh, blew my whole oh, shit. Man, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys. So the family search company owned by the church has been in the effort of digitizing all that microfiche, all that old film into digital images and the money that they've put into this. This is another video that I caught online about this when Dave and I were looking this up. The money that they put special computer algorithms that like these films have different density. So some are too dark, mm -hmm. some are too light when you pass them over a scanner. So the computer algorithms were created to automatically lighten or darken the image to the ideal level contrast included so that you can make out the words right of these documents and they're feeding so many i don't know hundreds of thousands per day through the scanners and i mean it's it is unbelievable what they're doing with this shit and it's funny because somebody brought it up dave i think you pointed it out like that used to be important when all you had was the microfiche but now that everything's going to be digital like what are you guys going to do with that Big vault. Food storage. I mean, there is a company called Iron Mountain. You guys could look this up. And they have a vault. And there's companies like film companies, like like movie companies, where they store like film and, and files and whatever that they don't that they want to be safe. Like the originals. Well they're they're a temperature sensitive right, material. Right, right. So Granite yeah. Mountain could do something like that if they ever found that storing these records is not you know, useful anymore because you have the internet. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, man, oh. uh, crazy shit. Well, I'm but getting hungry. But they couldn't hungry. see that because they, they're prophet seers and revel. And wait a minute. No, nah, well, wait a minute. Sometimes. But they couldn't have known. No. no. No, they couldn't. Okay. I'm getting hungry. Whoa. Sorry. That's my stomach. Jeez, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're fasting today, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I'm worldwide fast. That's right. I'm fasting. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks guys for joining another episode and keep safe out there. Take precautions. Utah's locked down more now. I don't know if you saw that, Dave. So, I haven't seen anything recently on Utah. It's growing everywhere though. Well, as far as lockdown like stay in your right. domicile kind of thing. And I'm hoping um, it doesn't hit me. I mean, I'm doing record hours at work, ironically, right now. Yeah. Where everybody else is staying home. Not everybody, you know. Lots of people. And yeah. I'm working my ass off at work right now. Yeah. Anyway. Well, glad you have a job. Glad I still have a job. Exactly. Lots of people have been facing job issues, too. So hang in there, guys. Love you. Care about you. And remember, the dead are grateful for you. <laughs> <laughs>